real. Yeah, and that's the thing of not just spiritualizing. This is a real man with a, a, a the son of promise that he has been waiting for, praying for, seeing his wife cry for, yeah. that is finally here. And, and not just even a newborn, let's say he's 20. You have celebrated 20 years of his life, and now this? Yeah. Like, and so when you get to the three days, on the third day he sees the Mount Moriah, like we obviously will run the three days in, in Jesus, and we should. Yeah. But what was going through his mind in those days? The Bible says he got up the next day, bright and early, and they took off, like immediate obedience kind of thing. And the entire time, I mean, what's he doing? Just kind of side of his, you know, Isaac's just trying to strike up conversation with dad or maybe trying to avoid him. I don't know why my kids <laughs> yeah. do. I don't know a conversation. But yeah. what's he thinking? Is he not possibly thinking, is Yahweh just like Malek or any other God that's offering these? Hearts pounding. Yeah, because he knows the whole way what God has asked of him. Yeah. And he's got this time to contemplate it. This is Into the Fray. I'm Austin. I'm Robbie. Welcome back. Yeah, I, I don't know what else this is. <laughs> Just a heads up, uh, I'm getting over allergies still, and so mm. I'm going to have to clear my throat a lot. Yeah, I've had a few weeks of that as well. It's fun stuff. And with the weather change, you don't know, is it allergies? Is it a cold? Is it something else? And every time yeah. you call for sneeze, people look at you like you got a third eye. It's... Yeah, it's a I'm, strange dynamic right now. I'm, I'm scared to cough or sneeze in the gym just because there's a bunch of health nuts, and I don't know, I don't know if I'll get kicked out. <laughs> they're coming over you as soon as you like before you even get off the bike or whatever it is. Wipe down. They're spraying it. Yeah, spraying you. Yeah. <laughs> so how you been this week, man? Dude, it's been good. Uh, I almost called you, but I was like, I'll wait for the podcast to mm-hmm. talk about it. Mm-hmm. So this uh, last Sunday, I wasn't at the bridge. For our Easter service, yep. I got to go with my parents to the church I grew up in, mm-hmm. and I didn't realize I was thinking about it today. We, my family, left there like ten years ago, yeah. and I haven't been to a Sunday service there in ten years. And when we left, it was uh, there's a lot of complicated things going on at the church, and uh, it just wasn't in a good spot. And so this was my first time being back, mm-hmm. and our families being. Uh, being together uh, since like a year ago when we went through essentially hell uh, and it was this uh, really amazing experience because you know you get I I was thinking about like I've been coming to the bridge for a couple years now again and I'm up here like three times a week Mm -hmm. maybe spending a good bit of time here and sometimes you get so focused in on what's going on at the bridge that you forget that there's other churches out there hmm. and that God's family is bigger. And there's like, we all essentially have the same problems and that we all serve the same Jesus. And it was cool to go on like an Easter Sunday because hmm. even though I knew what kind of message to expect, like Brother Austin, uh, he just took it. He didn't preach from the Gospels. He mm-hmm. preached from First Corinthians, I think. Yeah. And just broke down the like, need for the resurrection and why we should believe it and the stakes of it. And it was just so cool. And to see 
a church that I had left in a bad like the church was just in a bad spot to come back and see this community, this faith family gathered together, loving Jesus. Like they were welcoming. They were mm-hmm. like everybody's like in sync. I was kind of like stepping back, like, "Yo, what? How do y'all do this?" <laughs> <laughs> like every, it felt like everyone was on the same page, mm-hmm. and uh, I got invited to go pray over Austin before the service and uh there's like a group of us and so I got to sit in with them and I was like yo this is wild and then watching they had like it felt like 20 families join the yeah. church and they're just doing awesome. the confirmation mm-hmm. they had a ton of baptisms uh a kid I, I grew up with named Jonah Chadwick he leads worship there now mm-hmm. and it was my first time hearing him lead worship and I was like my god you got a voice I'm not a I don't like country music. Yeah. But he's a he does country music on the side. Okay. And uh his voice is very very country. Mhm. But it was like I I was like, yeah, I I kind of this is like country Christian music. I, I'm into it. Like <laughs> And uh wow. It was just a cool experience that, and like a good reminder that God's family is big and beautiful yeah. and it made like I know we talked about this before about how like churches kind of get like territorial and all, mm-hmm. and like our struggles with that doing the night of worship and all. But uh, visiting another church, and, like seeing how much we have in common, I was like, yo, it is really silly that we we fight over the dumbest issues and or that we get trapped in our own little worlds mm. when we could be like leaning on each other and. I don't know, like just praising Jesus together. Like, yeah. You know, this is just simple. Yeah. Were you able, Austin, to just go and, I mean, obviously you prayed over Pastor Austin and, and met a ton of people. I'm sure a lot of those that uh, that you already knew you got to speak with again. But were you able just to relax a little? Like just go and worship? Because I know how it is. Like, yeah. Because it is worship. Like I don't ever feel like it's duty. I don't ever feel like it's. You know what I mean? Like any of it, not just preaching, but the preparation, the everything that goes into any service, but a Sunday morning service specifically. You know, there's a lot yeah. that goes into it. There's a lot of detail. There's a lot of last minute changes. There's just the nuances of it. But it's refreshing. Like when we go on vacation or um, which is like twice a year um, that I'm not here uh, yeah. to go somewhere else. Yeah. You know, and just like you said, it's not to sit back and critique or oh yeah well this is cool i'd like to bring this back to the bridge or man i wish they would do this differently or whatever but just to sit there you know with the non-worry of having to do a bunch of other stuff yeah and just worship jesus and you're around a lot of people that maybe you've like for us on vacation you're n- never been around never met kind of thing but for you to go back to a place like that and i think there'd be a lot of healing in that yeah not not that necessarily you've got like resentment or anything i'm not saying any of that i'm just saying like part of that is going back to a place where there were obviously some issues and things of that nature and seeing the people again and worshiping Jesus again yeah. with them. And yeah, it's very it's much man. so healing of like, not that I'm like bitter towards the church I grew up in, but uh, it was healing in the sense of like, I got to see a church that I knew was in a bad spot at one point. Mm-hmm build itself back up yeah and like i went hoping i'd get to see some old faces and there are a lot of old faces that already left Mm -hmm. but then i got to reconnect with some other old faces that were still there and like 
my buddy Bryce. He's my childhood best friend. Mm-hmm. Me and him, fought, like we had been texting recently, and uh, I, I got to see him there, and we started talking, and he was like, it was exciting for me watching him get excited because he was telling me about, uh, I recommended he would go read the book of James because mm-hmm. he was trying to get into reading the Bible. And he was like exploding with excitement as yeah. he's telling me. He's like, dude, it's five books long. And it's fun seeing the excitement on his face mm-hmm. and him get passionate about it. And it, again, like, because I, we sat in the same road that I decided to follow Jesus on. Mm-hmm. It was like this, uh, a reminder of where I came from and uh, just that excitement that I had when I first started following mm-hmm. Jesus. And yeah. then you're like, because again, like once you get into the church world, sometimes you get distracted by our own internal problems. Mm-hmm. But then when you were first a Christian, you could have cared less about those problems. You're like, dude, there's a mission that we got to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Who cares about like what color the carpet is? Let's just yeah. go at it. Yeah, and it was it was kind of like a reminder of that of like whatever issues are out there with the church, we got a bigger mission to accomplish, and so let's just get on it. Mm-hmm. So it was like it was even healing for me because I'm like, yeah, I need that. Yeah, I needed that reminder. Thank mm-hmm. you. So that's awesome. Yeah. I think too, here? even a bigger, I don't know, on a larger scale, um, healing in general. I mean, I think your experience this past weekend speaks to that of just presence. I mean, because how many times is it you, you got, a, whether it was a, a, I don't know, a phone call, maybe it was even a message, email, text, whatever kind of DM, whatever kind of thing. It came through a third person, uh, whatever it is that caught a little strife between you, you know, you and someone else. And how when you're not together, i.e. presence kind of thing, how that just eats at your soul. You know what I mean? Like, and even if it doesn't really eat at you, it's still like this divisive thing Yeah, that you lose a little bit of that that you had when you were in their presence kind of thing. And so when you go back and you're just there and it's like how quickly that dissolves. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like when there, again, there's gotta be some realness and you know, obviously there's the power of Christ at work, you know, all that for sure. Oh yeah. But it's amazing how the enemy wants to just divide and keep us divide, keep us apart, mm-hmm. but so that that seed of resentment will grow into a big oak kind of thing. You know what I mean in your life? Versus, man, just I don't know, getting in someone's presence. Yeah. That you did have it, and, and even if it's never, you know, there's not going back to that conversation or whatever else. Just kind of getting over that. Yeah. That I'm not going to allow this to keep us apart. So I love that. That's cool, man. Yeah. I'm glad. And even the maybe more radical part of me was like, yo, why don't churches just as a whole just go visit other churches yeah. <laughs> for a Sunday Yeah, and just be like, hey, we're not going to be at the bridge this Sunday. We're going to go and just show up at First Baptist and hope they have room. Uh-huh. And like, I wonder how uh, impactful that would be. Yeah. If churches just visited each other's churches randomly on Sundays, yeah, just that's to okay. Say, just don't tie it there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah nah, I'm good. Hey, yeah. I even had somebody suggest when we very first started, and we were having a lot of tr- issues just finding because obviously there's a lot of volunteers and and new believers that were volunteering. So there's just like, the whole dynamic of that. But I had somebody suggest something, and it, at the time it did seem radical. The more I thought over the years, I thought it would be really cool. But how difficult it would be just because of our mindset of our kind of like this is our church da, da, da. 
But somebody asked, because like, we didn't have a full-time or even a part-time, we didn't have any time. We had volunteer, it was probably me at the time, uh, of a youth leader. Yeah. And it was like, what if the churches, you know, maybe not all, but several, had one or two or three youth leaders and they just changed out? So you didn't, you wasn't the youth leader at the bridge. You were the youth leader of Nashville or you were the youth leader of, yeah. you know, I mean, I know there would be a lot that went into it, but just the whole concept itself was pretty like, man, that's radical. I don't think anybody would go for it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it would be cool, but I don't know how yeah. that would work. But, it, but I think, again, it just kind of gets back to that, that it's, it's my church, our church. And I love my church, I, yeah. i.e. the bridge, little church. I love the big church. I love the big C. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, which includes everybody that's here. Dude, like, yeah. So. I had uh, some FOMO being away from the bridge. Like, I don't like missing church. Yeah. Like, I, I, maybe that's a part of, like, me just, I'll, I'm a person of habit, too. So I do, my days, like, almost exactly the same every day because mm-hmm. I like the just routine and normalcy. Mm-hmm. But uh, being away from the bridge, I was not looking for. I, I almost told my parents, like, yeah, I'm not going to come with you. I think I'm just going to stay. It's Easter. It's a big Sunday. Yeah, yeah. But, they uh, need me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, dude, even in the – we were praying for Austin before. There was a moment where, like, Austin was running late because he goes from Cornerstone and Homerville to yeah. Southside and Lakeland. Yeah. And uh, they said he was at the county line. And I was like, the county line, that's like a good 15 minutes. Of mm-hmm. course, Austin showed up like two minutes later. Yeah. Which, huh. Yeah, he's, his driving skills are <laughs> something. I'm but, sure uh, he was adhering to the law the entire time. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Uh, I, I remember having like the sense of ad, like little anxiousness. It was like, I, I need to get out there to like see people and welcome. Like, yeah. And I was like, no. Like. That's not, you don't have to do that today. Mm-hmm. Like, you just yeah. sit here. They ask you to be in the room and pray over Austin. You're going to do that, and then you'll catch people after the service. Mm-hmm. And I did that, and it was, it was it was so great. Just, again, seeing uh, so many people that I grew up with, too, either joining the church or yeah. excited about reading the Bible or getting baptized, leading worship. Yeah, It's just like a... You get you like see their excitement, mm-hmm. and you just like take it, and yeah, like, I'm gonna go back to the bridge with it. No know? doubt, that's awesome. How about you? That's been good. Uh, yeah, it's a uh, for me. It, it's kind of you know it's coming, so it's battling off the the, the, the temptation for the uh, the east after Easter hangover kind of thing because there's so much that you know you're so the week of Easter, so much going on and Passion Week and you know doing stuff. Then obviously you know Sunday morning. Is going to be one of those because you do you get a lot of people who've never been and yet this is the one they're going to go to or they haven't been in a long time whatever it is kind of thing and so there's all that the anticipation the build up the excitement man you get up there and you just you know it, it's it's awesome and afterwards is awesome and then it's monday and it's like okay now what you know what i mean like you know it's kind of like i wonder if anybody's gonna come next sunday you know what i mean just because yeah. it's so it's kind of one of those things you just kind of battle I think, uh, you know, Christmas, whatever kind of holiday like that, but Easter especially. Um, but for me, it's been a good one, man. It's been a good one. I, I, I too, I saw a lot of people um, that I haven't seen in a while. Um, just uh, some some old 
faces, acquaintances kind of thing that not necessarily, you know, bridgers kind of thing, members yeah. of the bridge or anything like that, but people that came and just got to have some great conversations before and after service. And I don't know, it was just, it was really, really good. And this week is kind of just, it hasn't been this like, uh, of, you know, that's over kind of thing. It's just like, yeah, let's go. I love that. Uh, you know, it's yeah. Wednesday. Sweet. <laughs> it's, you know, I feel as excited as Sunday morning kind of thing. I love Jesus that. Jesus is alive. And so, yeah, it's good news. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this episode we're talking about, sorry about, I need to I'll hopefully edit that out. The little. Oh, you could. <laughs> but uh, this episode we're talking about uh, specific texts in the Bible, uh, specifically Abraham and Isaac's uh, relationship and Abraham sacrificing Isaac. And uh, yeah. I thought this would be a good conversation. I did, I did. Growing up in church, I don't know if you were like me in this, I heard this story all the time. I didn't think anything of it. I thought it was just yeah. normal. Yeah. But then listening, uh, I like to listen to Dak Shepard's podcast a lot. And he's, I think, agnostic. Okay. And, uh Dak Shepard, he's from the show Parenthood and Chips and a bunch of different movies and all. And uh, his wife's like Kristen Bell from Frozen. Okay. But uh, on his podcast, he, he, he brings this up a lot with people when they start talking about religion. Of the Abraham and Isaac story what's, is what turns him off. Hmm. And it was actually in uh, one of his more recent episodes, he had Mike Shore on. Mike Shore is the guy who made... Parks and Rec, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, The Good Place, okay. the show kind of dealing yeah. with all of this. Yeah. And Mike Shore said the same thing. He said that uh, the thing that turns him off about Abrahamic religions was mm-hmm. this specific story yeah. of how could a loving God tell mm-hmm. a father to sack, to kill his son? Yes. And just how barbaric that seemed yep. and how... Uh, I, th- I think it's a fair... After I got, I like heard him out, and like really thought about, it, I was like, yeah, you know, I, it does make sense how this should make mm-hmm. you feel uncomfortable. Yes. And I had to go back and reread it and make sure I felt uncomfortable because mm-hmm. I think that's, for being honest, that's what the text wants you to do. I agree. I agree, also, and I believe that one of the reasons, like, it, it should shock for believers. This mm-hmm. text, you should read it. Whether you've heard it preached, you've read it a thousand times, whatever kind of thing, it should shock you. I mean, there should be moments of gasping, of like, and even questioning, like, why is this here? Yeah. God, why did you, I mean, we know to do, to test Abraham, but God, really? I mean, not another way kind of thing? I think it should shock. And the other thing I would even say is this, I think for believers, We've, we, we've Sunday schooled everything. And what I mean by that yes. is like, we put it on a poster, put it on the wall. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I can't remember. Turned it into veggie tales. Yeah. Well, it's this, you know, picture of Abraham and Isaac, and he's a, you know, a five-year-old little toddler holding hands with his older daddy, and they're seeing the, the, the ram in the thicket. Mm-hmm. And that's all we get out of it, you know, kind of thing. It's, so we kind of glamorize Sunday school, you know, I don't. It, it, it should shock us. It really should. The other thing I would say is for the skeptics, um, man. I think one of the things that we just don't do a really good job of is if we're not shocked about it, 
and a skeptic, whomever it is, agnostic, man, um, Richard Dawkins has got some really harsh words, <laughs> a very renowned atheist, very outspoken against Christianity about this specific te- text. Um, if we're not shocked as believers, then we may just, oh, just kind of push them aside, not acknowledge the skeptical aspect of it. And even to your point about it, for Jesus, he was always around people who were skeptical. Yeah. And it was okay. I mean, and he taught. He obviously performed signs and wonders, miracles all around him, but there was still explanation. There was a ton of patience. I mean, his disciples, for goodness sake, how much patience is there? And for the skeptics who were would see Lazarus raised from the dead, they knew he was dead, saw he was alive. I mean, yeah. we, we kind of do that as a Christian. We're like, yeah, sure, they believe. And yet some did not believe. Some did believe. Some were still skeptical. Yeah. After his resurrection, some were still skeptical. So, but he's so patient with them. But for us as believers, man, we do the, I don't know, the backwards of it. You know, like we're not patient with skeptics. Mm-hmm. We don't want to answer their questions. We want to avoid them or just, well, I don't know, just because I believe kind of thing. Yeah. And I think that is not only... I think it's it's not productive, it's not obviously effective as far as evangelism goes toward them, but also I don't think it's, I mean, how is it building up our faith if that's all we do? Mm, like yeah. the more and more that I go into it, that I'm shocked by it, that drives me to more and more scripture, that, that gets me on my hands and knees, I'm like, God, I need you to help me with this because I'm really struggling with understanding this. Mm-hmm. You know, if that's not taking place because I'm not really hearing their questions or accusations or whatever it may be, how am I going to reach them, engage them in those questions? And then am I really growing in my faith in that regard? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It makes me think through like sometimes, uh, if you've been a Christian for a while and you've you've heard these stories or you grew up in church, mm-hmm. you become numb to the some of the edges of the gospel, yeah. and those edges can be sharp or rough, yes. and they can yep. to people outside of the church. It's easier for them to notice some of the maybe more harsh language in the Bible mm-hmm. or some of the harder truths in the Bible, or even the uncomfortable stories. And as Christians, I think part of the the danger we have to guard against is making sure that we are not growing uh, maybe too comfortable. Mm-hmm. And once I think if you get too comfortable as a Christian, you're you're definitely going to be in danger of uh, maybe not uh, not that you've walked away, but you you're missing out on what God's will is for your life mm-hmm. because. When I when I I think anyone who reads Acts, you read it and you're like, yo, mm-hmm. they are constantly uncomfortable. Yeah, and like you you read that as a Christian, and you're like, yo, I want to be like the people in Acts. Mm-hmm. I want to be like Paul. I want to just go out yeah. and share the gospel with everybody on the streets, and yeah. I'll do anything. But uh, trying to maintain that over the long haul of your Christian life that can be difficult sometimes because it requires you to constantly. Uh, being check on yourself mm-hmm. and making sure that you haven't grown numb to it. Yeah. If you have, yeah, 
getting out of that numbness and saying, okay, I need to mm-hmm. approach this differently. Yeah. And not like um, approach it differently as in unbiblically, but maybe the the numbness is the unbiblical part. Mm. And you need to like mm. dive into the world of the Bible again, yeah. realize how like jarring yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I think that's a that's a theme throughout is being so familiar. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jesus is doing miracles in his hometown and the people are so familiar with him they know his mom and dad they know his brothers and sisters they saw him grow up they're so familiar that it almost blocks them from seeing him for who he truly is as the Mm -hmm. messiah and i think we do that with these stories yeah you know and i I would say this too austin man i think it's one of those things you got to be real careful of too um because i i even like went back and i preached this text and I've definitely referenced it many times kind of thing. But I went back and looked at other commentaries and, and people that differed on this passage and stuff. And it's amazing how some will just, um, they'll avoid the hard stuff. Yeah, like They won't answer the questions that the skeptic is asking about this text. We almost just spiritualize it. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously it's pointing toward Jesus. Yes, we're going to get there in this conversation yeah. about, but you know what I mean? But like, don't run to the end to miss the beginning and the meat of the middle. Well, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you don't do that. Because, again, if I'm a skeptic, if I don't believe there's a God at all, why would I want to believe this God who is seemingly commanding someone to kill their child? I'm going to be like uh, Richard Dawkins who says, this is this is child abuse. You mentioned that earlier yeah. kind of thing. This is this, you know, oh, the out for Abraham is I'm just obeying because he told me to kind of thing. That's not faith. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah. there's this, like, how helpful is that if that's what we do, if we don't tackle the deep stuff? And, again, getting back to the growth part, you and I, I think we've said that several times when it had to these difficult conversations about being uncomfortable. Sometimes it's okay to say, well, I'm not 100% sure on this. Yeah. To whether that's a believer that you're having, you know, your disciple or whatever, or it's an unbeliever. You know, I, like, I think it's okay for us to, to do that verse. I think that's more helpful than yeah. just skipping it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like avoiding it kind of thing. Like that's, that's not helpful at all. Oh, yeah. So let's, let's kind of dive in yeah, a yeah. little bit. Uh, to the people at home, mm-hmm. we're the stories in Genesis chapter 22. Mm-hmm. And we're not going to read verse by verse, but yeah. uh, we'll kind of just walk through our thoughts as we yeah. dive into this text yeah, this yeah. week. Uh, so the 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 big issue at hand is that uh, God tells Abraham, I want you to go up on the mountain mm-hmm. and take Isaac, your son that you love, mm-hmm. and I'm I want you to sacrifice him. Yeah. And the one of the things that I, was, I was thinking of, like before I even started studying this text, I just started writing down some of my thoughts initially. Mm-hmm. I was like, "This is kind of how like this is where my brain immediately went." Just mm-hmm. thinking, not diving into the word yet, was well, maybe God didn't say mm-hmm. specifically. Yeah, I want you to sacrifice your son Isaac. Yes, and, and it, to that point, real quick before you yeah. go on, some commentators will say that very thing. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah, I read some that were like, oh. Well, God didn't directly tell Abraham to do that. So, I mean, again, you're doing, like, biblical gymnastics. Like, I, yeah, it's not fair. 
I mean, it's not right and it's not fair to do that kind of thing. You can't do that. He did, right? He specifically. Okay. <laughs> yes. He's testing Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, he said, here I am. And then in verse 2, it says, take now your son, your only son. And the, and the language you'll see when you read throughout, I mean, obviously it's pointing to Jesus, your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, the beloved son, son of promise, um, and offer him, and I, I think that's important, offer him um, on the mountain of which I shall tell you as a burnt offering. So it's not just killing. Don't just stab him in the back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's this act of worship. Now, still, that's still yeah. muddy. Don't Maybe get me. made it work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think word by word, mm-hmm. it's, it's there for a reason. Like, yes. like God not only did not have to do this with Abraham, he definitely didn't have to include it in the scriptures. Mm-mm. Like if I'm, you know, if I'm Moses, I'm thinking, do I really want to put this in there? You know what I mean? Like this is kind of shady, kind of, but I mean, it's God's divine word. And I think it's there sovereignly put there for a reason. Oh yeah. But yes, he tells them that. But I've read people that said that. I read people that said that, that Abraham, uh, while God may have told him to, he knew what the end result was going to be. And that's not, that yeah. again, you're doing a horrible job, not only in this passage, but other passages. Because when you go to Hebrews chapter 11, mm-hmm. Abraham is like, I mean, again, in this hall of fame of faith, he knew what God was asking him to do. He had the faith to believe in God's promise because the, the heir of Isaac is going to be the seed by which, you know, this great nation is going to come, all the blessing, all that kind of stuff, that God was able to raise him from the dead. Yeah. Meaning that if God... If God allowed me to go through with this, apparently he was going to raise him up because God's promises doesn't fail. Yeah. So, again, you can't say he didn't know or it wasn't directly told. I mean, because Abraham believed that. Yeah. So, yeah, you, you got to do. I think, too, let's, uh, let's, let's mention how uh, challenging it would be for Abraham to th- this, this command to go sacrifice Isaac. Yes. He just lost his his literal first son mm-hmm. uh, I'm Ishmael Ishmael mm-hmm. Ishmael's been sent away yeah he, he had their relationship is done for yep they ain't got nothing to do with each other anymore yep. and the son that God promised mm-hmm. Abraham yeah the, uh, Isaac is the son of the promise God's now saying give me that son back mm-hmm. and for Abraham it'd be like dude I I, I know I just you know had another kid because I was impatient but Mm-hmm. Can you literally just gave me the son? Like, can can I keep him a little, a little longer? Like, he hasn't yeah. even gotten to the point where he can have kids yet. You yeah. Know? Like, well, and that's the whole thing, though. The promise is going through Isaac. So God's promise, and in context, man, when you read scripture, it's so important. So this passage, you have to, you have to be able to go back, and I would encourage you to mm-hmm. Genesis twelve and read through twenty one to get to twenty two. Yeah. Like, because you got to see, because God's. He's promising him over and over again. And it's important, I think, for even this passage, and it gets overlooked a lot. He's making this promise that it is not going to come through Ishmael because Abraham, him and Sarah, they step out. You know what yeah. I mean? Oh, we'll get, we'll kind of speed up God's plan. So he, he has a child with his wife's servant. Um, but that's not the heir that God had promised. And so when it says the first son, of course, Ishmael is his first child chronologically kind of thing. This is that child of promise, the special yeah. one, right? But for God to keep his word that he's going to make him a great nation that's going to go through Isaac, Isaac has to live. Yeah. 
I mean, because here in this text, one of the things I love about our Sunday school and stuff like that, a lot of times talking about the pictures and all these, uh, he's like a little six-year-old, you know, toddler that he can manhandle. <laughs> I mean, most scholars believe that he's between 15 and early 20s. Yeah. And if you remember, Abraham's 100 plus whatever his age is. Yeah. Isaac could run from him. He could take him if he wanted to. So that gets, that's, that gets lost a lot in this. Yeah. Like, Isaac's a man, mm-hmm. and yet he's the one allowing his dad. You know what I mean? He's laying yeah. down. So again, a picture of Christ, that sort of thing. But I think, you know, understanding the context is huge mm-hmm. in understanding when you get into this text. Because it's difficult, but you got to understand, Isaac's got to live, and Abraham believes that. So if that means that God has to raise him from the dead, God, your, your promises, your faithfulness— yeah, is all again contingent on your promise that this is going to transpire. All all these promises are going to take place that Isaac live, so he's got to yeah. live one way or the other. I heard one person. I think this would be a good place to yeah put it in at is one like preacher talk about how if you had that question, well, why is Abraham not shocked by it? Mm-hmm. It's because if you think about the culture of the day, yes. There's a lot of gods asking for child sacrifices. Yeah. And it shows up a lot. And God forbids it. Yeah. And so Abraham could very rightfully think, like, I guess he's like these other gods. Like, he's going to, he wants me to sacrifice my son. But then that tension of, but he also promised me this son, and there's supposed to be a great family coming from this son, Mm -hmm. that he's going to use this son in some special way. Yeah. And we ain't got that, that part yet, so... There's this tension, I would imagine, with Abraham of being like, I, I really don't know, like, I, who, like, almost like this question, I think the reader has asked of like, well, who is this God? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is the part that I love because this story, you could look at it and say, well, God is this hateful person for asking him to, Abraham to kill a son. But then as you read the story, I think it's actually a, a, a story pushing you to the character of God and saying, yes, hey, I agree. This God, Yahweh, the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, mm-hmm. he is very different yes. than these other gods. He's yeah, set apart. Good. He's holy. Yes. And that's like the exciting part because then you're like, oh, so like this culture where there's this the all these many gods out there, mm-hmm. they're all kind of blending together. They all kind of have like similar characteristics. They're barbaric. They ask the for sacrifices of people's kids mm-hmm. and uh they're they use fear to control their people yep you have this god step in with in the book of genesis who is this god of love and he's going to step in he's he's literally doing a lot of the opposite of what these other gods are doing mm-hmm. of he's not using fear to control these people he's he's making promises with them mm-hmm. and he's showing grace to them yep and with abraham like he if you just think about the fact that up until this point, Abraham, he's been trying to make this covenant with Abraham mm-hmm. and work with Abraham and him and Abraham be partners. And Abraham has dropped the ball so many times. Yes. Yeah. And you see that Abraham has constantly uh, not trusted Yahweh. Mm-hmm. He's not trusted this God mm-hmm. who's set apart from the other gods. Yep. He... Uh, he literally he has no problem lying. Yeah, that was one about of his wife things. twice. Yeah, that was one of the other things. Was like uh, when Abraham, when Isaac asked Abraham, like, "Where's the lamb?" 
Yeah. And Abraham responds, well, God will provide. Yeah. One of the other thoughts I had before, like, sitting down with the text, I was like, you know, Abraham, maybe he was just, like, lying, being a little deceitful. Mm-hmm. Like, he didn't really believe it. Mm-hmm. But then you dive into the text, and you're like, no, but if you keep reading the story, yeah. how, is this... I think this is kind of like a moment where you see uh, a culmination of like Abraham's story mm-hmm. and Abraham finally learns to trust God. Yeah. Agreed. And it's in the most like dire, like this is, the stakes are like really high. Yes. And so it's like, thank God. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to tell you, let, let me just say this, Austin, yeah. like this is a God moment. Mm-hmm. And, and this is what I mean by this, because... I have been struggling even today, like reading the very first two verses. Like I don't even get into the rest of it because I know how that goes. My question, my issues with the first two verses where he asked, like, why does God ask this in the first place? Because as you mentioned, Malek, uh, these, these false gods are are, are requiring Mm -hmm. the people think this child sacrifice and God directly commands his people. That, that that's sinful, avoid it, it's evil, and now here he's asking it. Yeah. To me, that's the strife. God yeah. commands something not to be done, and here he's asking it. Whatever it is, he's asking it. And so my mind has been, okay, God, why'd you ask? Yeah. I mean, I know, and a lot of people, well, he's asking Abraham for his best, and so he asks us for our best. And all of that, yeah, you can bring some application, but why is he asking in the first place? Like, yeah. to kill him? Not send him away, not, you know what I mean? He's asking something, he's forbidden. Yeah. And my, what I, again, I, I think you just confirmed it. And so I'm, I'm declaring it a God thing. Abraham, if you go to Joshua, Joshua reminds the, the readers that Abraham, his father, grandfathers, the ancestors, they were not Yahweh worshipers. They worship false gods. So he comes out of that. And he is surrounded by, as he's going into Canaan, Egypt, all that surrounding of just this plethora of false worship. Mm-hmm. And what we miss in this, just like with the 10 plagues, we, we, we know what the plagues are or some of them or whatever kind of thing. But when God does those, those are specific toward the gods that the people are worshiping. Yeah. Like he's showing, no, no, that, that God is not, there's no God at all. Yeah. I'm the God. Yeah, and even like when when God in Genesis 12 and just on throughout, um, and even here in 22, when he keeps reminding Abraham about the stars, like I've always thought like, okay, that's cool. Yeah, I go outside, I live in the country, looks like a gazillion stars. But in Abraham's, like what he grew up in and surrounded him was the worship of stars, moons, yeah. and the sun. And God's like, nah. That's not about fertility, worshiping the moon or the stars or you know, the moon god or whatever. Yeah. I'm the god of the living. I like I'm the one who supplies. And I think that's what he's doing. Yeah. I think that's what he's doing in this text. He's setting himself up to be uh god of gods. Yes. Of that phrase most high god. Yes. Sometimes we we just say and we're like, yeah, he's the most high god, but yeah. we believe only one god. Mm-hmm. But in the story of the Bible, what you're constantly seeing is no, one God rises up above all the other gods, and he's very set apart. He's very distinct from them mm-hmm. in his character and how he works and in his power, and that's the Yahweh God. Yeah. And that's just like, yeah. it, it makes it so fun, like, reading the Bible, because when you realize that this is a real story mm-hmm. and a real culture, yes, there's things you got to, like, when we, when we talk about the 
the other gods out there requiring sacrifices. Mm-hmm. It helps paint the background for what's going on in the story. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of like step into the world of the Bible and yes. be like, oh, yeah, this is real. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing of not just spiritualizing. This is a real man with a, a, a the son of promise that he has been waiting for, praying for, seeing his wife cry for, yeah. that is finally here. And, and not just even a newborn, let's say he's 20. You have celebrated 20 years of his life, and now this? Yeah. Like, and so when you get to the three days, on the third day he sees the Mount Moriah, like we obviously will run the three days in, in Jesus, and we should. Yeah. But what was going through his mind in those days? The Bible says he got up the next day, bright and early, and they took off, like immediate obedience kind of thing. And the entire time, I mean, what's he doing? Just kind of side of his, you know, Isaac's just trying to strike up conversation with dad or maybe trying to avoid him. I don't know why my kids <laughs> yeah. do. I don't know a conversation. But yeah. what's he thinking? Is he not possibly thinking, is Yahweh just like Malek or any other God that's offering these? Hearts pounding. Yeah, because he knows the whole way what God has asked of him. Yeah. And he's got this time to contemplate it. And I think that's part of it is, yeah, Yahweh is revealing I am not like him or yeah. any other God, Yeah, even in the question of asking him to do it. And, like, if you trust me, like the, the, the thing of uh, what in verse 1 it says, after these things, God tested Abraham. Yes, which is key. Yeah. So you that kind of helps set things up, too, of you you realize, okay, there's, there's a test going on mm-hmm. that God's doing on Abraham. Yes. And we know Abraham has a trust issue. Yep. And by the end of the story, you find out that Abraham trusted that God would provide the lamb. Yes. He didn't, like, Hebrews, I think you said 11? Mm-hmm. Yes. Said, like, he didn't know if that, he, he knew at the end of the day, mm-hmm. I'm trusting God's going to let yeah, me yeah. and Isaac come down this mountain together. Yeah. Either he's resurrecting him. Yeah. Or yeah, he told his servants that he, me and the boy, basically, yeah. we're coming back. Yeah. It's just us going, but we're coming back. Yeah. And so, again, he had faith that they were returning together. Yeah. What was going to take place up there, he didn't know. Yeah. But he was so confident in God's yes. promise that we're coming back, whatever it looks like. So, and that's such a a good example of any time you're following God is there's going to be times where He calls us to do things that make us hella uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and that's good. But that that's where it really uh, it's that testing moment of asking that question: Do you really trust God? Yeah. Do you really trust God to be the good God that you say he is? Mm-hmm. Because the situation doesn't look that good right now that you're about to walk into. And it's that check you moment of like, man, like I, if I was Abraham, I don't know if I would be very trusting. I'd, yeah. I'd be very skeptical. Yeah. Be like, nah, dude. Yeah. I, I, when I want my son, I. Sure. Yeah. I've, I've not trusted you before mm-hmm. and it didn't work out for me, but maybe, mm-hmm. maybe there's a good reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But. To find out that like this is the moment Abraham finally trusts Yahweh, and I think it's yeah. because it's just that it's that really heartache moment of mm-hmm. I really love my son. He's I've been waiting for him. Yeah. Uh, he means a lot to my wife, and I I think it just it's that moment where like Abraham finally broke. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a turning point for sure. Yeah, and the thing I would say too, Austin. It's testing. There's a huge difference between testing and tempting. God does not tempt us. Mm-hmm. 
he definitely will test you, I hear. Yeah. And there's a huge difference. Satan wants to tempt to lead to evil. God will test you, but it's for good. It's a huge difference. And two, God, again, who is, I, I, there's, there's four things. I read a little pamphlet. I cannot remember who wrote it. Paul David Tripp. I can't remember who wrote it. But the four things in any situation, and I remind myself of this no matter what it is I'm facing, God is infinitely good, infinitely wise, infinitely loving, and infinitely powerful in whatever circumstance I'm facing. Yes. So if he's all-wise, all-knowing, all all those things, even when it seems like it's out of control or I don't feel his presence, what does not change who he is kind of thing. Yeah. So when it says that God is testing him, God knew what the result was going to be too. Mm-hmm. So it's not, okay, because I, I read this and I thought, oh, dear Lord. A- as if God is testing Abraham to see which way this thing will go. <laughs> he's on the edge of the seat. Yeah, he's like, is he going to trust me? He knew. Yeah. Who's he doing this for? His benefit or Abraham's? He's, he's, this is bolstering Abraham's faith. Yeah. It's not bolstering God's plan. His plan is in place. You know what I mean? So the testing part, like we have a problem with God disciplining us or God testing us. But again, he's all loving and all, you know what I mean, wise? And it's yeah. it's for our good. Yeah. And so when you come to that, it's important to, to hear that. And I would say even too, man, in context, it's really important too. Because if you go back to Genesis 15, one of my favorite passages, God again reemphasizes to Abraham um, the promises. And then there's this elaborate display uh, we can't really understand but was common then of Abraham cutting up the animals and and there's blood everywhere and he basically makes a pass there's bloody you know carcass on one side and then the other and then in the middle and so it's this walking through this path and the oath of, of okay if I don't hold up my end of the deal yeah let me be like these animals is basically what it's saying right so you just your your mind's going to okay cool God's gonna somehow I don't know is it gonna be a burning cloud whatever he's gonna walk through there with Abraham but then the Bible says that he puts Abraham in a sleep just like Adam mm-hmm. and God his literal presence why because God is gonna fulfill his promise he don't need Abraham's help yeah he's gonna do it you know and for and yeah. for me I need to be reminded of Genesis 15 before I get to 22 yeah because like, it happened first I like that you're pointing this out. Uh, there's patterns when you read the Bible that you need to be like, like just be aware that they're out there and like try to find them. Yeah. Of like one of the things uh, the Bible Project pointed out was that you think that the first son always receives the inheritance, mm-hmm. but as you read Genesis, the first son never receives the inheritance, yeah. and it's that like that thing of like God's doing the unexpected yes. every time. Yep. And it's. It's not like the second son's better. Mm-hmm. Like I think that kind of goes into that whole uh, passage in Romans of like we've all fallen, uh, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory mm-hmm. of God. Like the second brother or the the youngest was mm-hmm. just as imperfect as the rest. Yeah, but there was something God was doing. He he was he was he had a bigger plan in mind. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's just like such a cool little nugget. I guess. No, yeah, for sure. Something, uh, too, that you, you were doing was you're kind of listing out some of God's characteristics. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I thought was, that that's something I did as I was reading it. I was like, I feel like this text is calling me to sit down and really think about who God is mm-hmm. 
and who man is. And so I ended up just writing a list down of like uh, a, a, a little chart of these are the characteristics of God and here's the characteristics mm-hmm. of man. And it kind of helps uh, helps you realize some of the tests that's going on of like God's consistent mm-hmm. as you, like mm-hmm. and it's like as you read the, through Genesis, you're gonna notice the difference between God and His people, mm-hmm. and the thing the thing with God was like He was consistent, He's faithful, He's patient, yeah. uh, He's uh, merciful. And the man usually is the exact opposite of all this. And so as you're reading that, realizing like this is kind of like a good representation of the relationship between God and man. Mm -hmm. But that with Abraham, like like you said with the testing, God's testing Abraham Mm -hmm. to make him a a better man, to to bring Abraham to the place that God's uh, been trying to bring him to to begin with. He does that throughout. He does it with... His children, as they're wandering, as they're going to the promised land, he doesn't drive some out because he's te- and that phrase is there. He's testing them. He's te- "Will you worship me alone? Will you?" You know, that's kind yeah. of a, a theme throughout. You know, you kept when you said that, Austin, just struck a chord too between God and man because for like a Richard Dawkins or whomever would look at Genesis twenty-two and be like, "Child abuse." They will say the same thing about God, the Father, to God as we would say Jesus. Same thing when it comes to the cross. They will look oh, at yeah. it. You know what I mean? Like, I've heard a preacher say that. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> if you're doing that in Genesis 22, yeah. if your pull is that direction, then it, it needs to go that other way. Mm-hmm. But Genesis, the cross helps us to understand Genesis 22 yes. as well. You know what I mean? It, it helps us. And, and you see, and I just tell you, just read the story on your own. We can't walk through it, you know, verse by verse kind of thing. But everything foreshadowing. Um, mm-hmm. What Jesus would do for you is just amazing. Isaac carrying the wood up, you just your mind will go, especially mm-hmm. with Easter yeah. right here. I mean, you, you'll see it laying down his life. And, and, and but I love this man in John chapter nine. This is a, a verse that kind of people I don't know if they really get because uh, Jesus is confronting the religious elite and the, the famous statement of you know before Abraham I was or I am kind of thing. It's the I am statement. But in verse 59, he says, I'm sorry, verse 58, he said, Jesus said to them, most surely I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Uh, and then they take up stones uh, to, keep, to throw him, to kill him kind of thing. But before that, he says in verse 56, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Now think about it. He rejoiced to see my day. That's future. So we think, okay, yeah, Abraham's believing in the promises of God, maybe through Isaac, you know, down the road kind of thing, blessings, generation, father Abraham, all that kind of stuff. But then he says, I just love this. He saw it and he was glad. That's like when he was alive, he saw it. Yeah. And so I think part of that is the, you know, Abraham, okay, in reflection, every moment, even the lies and God's grace and that and, and, and all the miscues and Genesis 15, oh, but Genesis 22, that moment. He's, he's seeing God's promises being fulfilled in Jesus. You know what I mean? Like he's seeing, he's rejoicing in it. So I think a lot of that is reflective for Abraham. Like he is seeing this now as he grows in his relationship with the Lord. And, and, man, all of those promises of God are just being fleshed out. 
You know, let me say this too, Austin. Okay, so we've talked about the Bible being prescriptive and descriptive kind of thing. I read a story, and I don't have it pulled up on my phone, so I'm not going to quote it. But, um, and I don't, so I don't know how long ago it was, but I read it. It was about a guy who killed his wife, and and I forget how old, but child. And um, I think there's a movie out now uh, that's representative of, of, you know, Satan made me do it. It's one of those horror films or something like that. You know what I'm talking about? The Devil Made Me Do It. Well, this complete opposite in one sense. He said that God made him do it. And he uses Genesis 22 as validation for it. I.e., God told Abraham to kill Isaac, his son. And so God spoke to him, told him what to do. He was prepared to do it. God spoke to this man who obviously, whether it's spiritual or all of it combined, and he went through with it. And so now he's using not only... God told me to, but he's using scripture as kind of his, yeah, he's done it before. Why wouldn't he do it now? And man, it just crushes me because even with Abraham in this story, as as shocking and and as difficult as it can be and uncomfortable as it can be, it's a one-timer. Like you don't see this anywhere else in scripture. Like God never again duplicates this. Mm. You know, this is a one-time and and. You have to, again, kind of get the understanding of how important Abraham is to this whole story of redemptive history. Yeah. It's kind of like Genesis is kind of like the story of like God introducing himself to mm-hmm. these people. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you got to understand this, this This story is a one-timer. And it's – but but the thing that just broke my heart – I mean, so many things about that tragedy that I read – is that people, and they still do that, and they do it for all different kind of means. I mean, y'all talked, you know, on the podcast last week, and, I mean, there's there's money to be made in Christianity or, you know, the um, underneath the umbrella of Christianity. There's power. There's positions. There's all kind of stuff. And some people can even abuse it mm-hmm. in the sense of physical abuse or, or for in this instance, murder, and then trying to justify that with yeah. God told me to and let me use his word to back it up. And, man, that just breaks my heart. Yeah. You know? Because you can't take this story and then try to apply it. I mean, a lot of the Bible is narrative. It was, this is what happened. This yeah. is not to be repeated. This isn't a command to be obeyed. You <laughs> yeah. know, go out and do likewise. No. That's yeah. not what this is. Yeah. Man, this, hearing that story, just the, the thing that came to mind was just, this is why it's important to learn how to read your Bible well. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think that's why this was like an important episode to do was, and we'll do more episodes like it, dealing with like some of the tougher passages in the Bible. But uh, there's a there's a trend of like we talked about at the beginning of people just familiar with these stories mm-hmm. or taking them out of context and not seeing the full picture. And the Bible is a complicated book to read and understand, and that's okay. But where I would say it's not okay is it's not okay to just say, well, then that's just how I'm going to read it. So I'm yeah. just going to read it out of context. I'm not yeah. going to put any effort into it. Yeah. If you're really wanting to understand who this God is that you're, if you're a Christian, you've you've said, I'm giving my life to you, Jesus. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna follow you no matter what. It is important for you to sit down and wrestle through these texts. And I say wrestle because I think that's what the bible's trying to get you to do mm-hmm. is understand who god is understand his movements like his form how he's working yes. how he's like 
and this, these stories of like Abraham and Isaac and uh, their relationship with God at that moment, like these are good uh, stories for to for you to sit back and say, yeah, these are real people. These are yeah. my spiritual ancestors, yeah. and this is how they were introduced to this God, mm-hmm. this God that I experienced yeah. that one day on a Sunday morning. Yeah, yeah. and saying, well, yeah, I, I need to, I need to hear essentially big brother abraham's relationship with god mm-hmm. what, yeah. what was going on and like letting that tension feel the yeah. room yeah and i think it's important to because you've mentioned a few times and we we often do on the podcast on, on the character of god is when you get to the end of the story while it begins with god testing abraham it begins with more revelation about who god is yeah that's what abraham you know this he this on this altar this this place that he's going to name uh which is Mount Moriah, Solomon's going to build a temple there. A lot of scholars believe this is Calvary. I mean, this is, you know, this is where, so all of it, not only foreshadowing, but physically, that's where it's going to take place. Jesus on the cross. But um, at the end of it, he's, he names the place Jehovah Jireh. Yeah. The Lord who sees and provides. You know what I mean? God is revealing to Abraham more and more about who he is. Yeah. And how, like, God, that's beautiful because it's, it's that remind like this is before the rest of like yeah. Genesis early in the Bible, mm-hmm. and it's like early on that that moment of saying God's God's doing something bigger. He's going to provide a way mm-hmm. of salvation, a way to redeem all this brokenness in the world. Yeah, of like I, I love Genesis is my favorite book because when you read it like realistically. And like you really dive into it, you're like, yo, this world is really messed up. Mm-hmm. Like it is dark. Yes, They're, they got other gods like yes. tormenting people, and like tribes are warring with each other, and it's like barbaric and mm-hmm. all. But then you see this beautiful God rise up, and him calling people and saying, "Hey, I want you to be a part of this this family I'm building." Mm-hmm. And I'm going to do it in the most unexpected ways. And these people, like, really having these real struggles of, like, I don't know about this. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of guys to choose yeah. from. Uh, also, those other gods, they're, man, they got armies, and their armies are big and scary. Mm-hmm. But you constantly see, and, like, Gideon's coming to mind of, like, God will provide. Mm-hmm. He's providing this way of escape out of the this dark world that we live in and into this beautiful world that he's he's building and cultivating and we're yeah. a part of that yeah like <laughs> yeah it's so good and, and he's like you said he's yeah. calling people out of that yeah not not people that are like alien to it they're literally in it they're surrounded by it. abraham false worship handed down from one generation to the next yeah. and it's god like yeah i choose you yeah. now come follow me leave everything else behind because i'm worth it and, it's not and I even, want to show you yeah. all that I've got your prayer for you. It's not even like he, like God is this, uh, I don't know, I'm wanting to say selfish God in the sense of like, he's not this God who's like, I just got my family and I'm mm-hmm. not dealing with, like mm-hmm. even even Ishmael of Ishmael's oh, yeah. cast out and God has mercy on him yeah. and his mom yeah. when God's own people did him wrong. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Yep. What you like see in the story of the Bible is like God, He tells His His people, mm-hmm. your family, yeah. invite other people into this yeah. family. 
Yeah. If they want to come in, yeah, let them in. And the thing on that story, yeah. man, there's so much there. Like, go back and read that story again, because you have the first again with Abraham and Sarah. I mean, this woman's taken advantage of. Yeah, Hagar is like, maybe it's not rape, but she is taking advantage. She's a servant. She's a slave. Go sleep with my man. I mean, this isn't like they're married. This yeah. is. We should be mad at Abraham and Sarah in that story. For sure. And see, that's, again, the shock of it. When you hear it, it's like, oh, well, you know, we make fun of, you know, Abraham and Sarah, and they're just getting ahead of God's will. And don't you know how we get ahead of God's plan? That's the way we spiritualize it. This is a real woman. And in that situation where she is run, she's been kicked out, then they they don't want to take advantage of her. They kick her out, you -hmm. know, and and then she's in this place of she's just, she's going to die. Yeah. So she's going to put her son distance away because he's going to die too. And then God comes and meets her there in that place. He hasn't forgot about her, and he's not going to leave her in that place. And then he brings her promises. Yeah, it's just it's it's crazy. And for so for me, like even in this story, I go into it as anybody would. Like so, I'm thinking about this podcast, and I'm a little hesitant because I'm just like, how do you explain this, and how do you even kind of how do you wrap your heart around it, let alone your mind, you know? And see the beauty of God in it, but then as you get into it and you do start talking about it, it's like, oh yeah, it's beautiful, man. There's a lot of messiness and still some stuff I'm extremely uncomfortable with, and yet there's beauty. Yeah, because God's there and He's in it. And that, again, that's like the beauty of the scriptures is that you're just in Genesis, and so if you if you leave the story, mm-hmm. you're still like, that's I don't I still know about this God. Yeah, you have. Yeah. A lot more stories to yeah. wrestle with yeah. God on, and to let Him peel more, peel back some more of those layers. That's right, showing who He is. That's right. Yeah, because for again, for us, this side of the cross and having the complete canon of Scripture, we can read John eight, Hebrews eleven. Yeah, that Scripture is interpreting Scripture. Abraham didn't have any of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, and even for those directly thereafter, they don't have the dude. They don't have the cross. They don't have, you know, so for us, we can look not only back to when it happened, but in light of everything before, during, and after mm-hmm. and see it in view, it kind of in lieu of the, of the cross and the resurrection of Christ. Oh, yeah. Changes things. So I would just, in closing, dude, because I know yeah. we wrap up, man, this is one of those passages um, that, again, uh, skeptics, unbelievers, that will, will run to errors in scripture and contradictions, and God telling people to wipe, you know, wipe out a whole, you know, genocide kind of thing. Like they'll run to those. And and our, I think, in our flesh, more of our flesh than the spirit. In our mm-hmm. flesh, we get very defensive. We don't know how to answer, so we avoid or whatever. And I just, I, I, I don't want to be that. I don't want our I don't want any believer relax. You know what I mean? Like, engage those conversations. Yeah. Again, it's going to be uncomfortable that you may not convince them. It's okay. Sit back like me and Robbie just did and just have a conversation about it. Like, work through. Like, like I said, I I I wrote down my thoughts before I even went through and studied the passage again. Yeah. And a lot of those thoughts are wrong. But that, like, that's okay. Like, you're as a Christian. This, I feel so corny saying this, but life is that journey of you continually growing in your understanding of who yeah. God is and this world yeah. He's built. And so you don't have to all, have all the answers. <clears throat> and so just like relax, 
have those conversations and have those conversations with other Christians. Yeah, sure. Of like, this conversation was fruitful to me because there's things you you brought out that I missed or I forgot. And likewise. And for it, me, yeah, I mean, yeah, so it, it made it even so much better. Or even like for me, I was like, uh, the the I had never heard someone uh, talk about the other gods offering mm-hmm. sacrifice or mm-hmm. asking for sacrifices. Mm-hmm. I'd heard that from a, a preacher. I'm not going to name, but uh, I I ain't never heard like one of like my favorite preachers talk about that. Mm-hmm. But then being able to mention you being like, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was Molech, and yeah. like, there's like a confirmation of like, yeah, we're you're, okay. you're on track. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 and that's the thing. It's like it's iron sharpening iron, so it's both of us kind of thing, um, and that's how it is. That's how, that's how God has designed it, you know. So, not only for the sake of the unbeliever, the skeptic kind of thing, but for the sake your sake as a believer and other believers who are around you, like, because you're gonna run into these if you read your Bible, Old Testament or New. Don't give me the God of the Old and the New. God will kill you in the New Testament, too. Yeah. What do you do with that? Like, you know, there's some things in there. The New Testament's pretty <laughs> dicey. Yeah. You got to, you know, don't don't be afraid of it. With humility, though, go into it and let it. Because even, like, if you've ever had to teach anything or, or, like, even for this podcast, any type of preparation, it forces you. Mm-hmm. All right. I got to talk about this. What am I going to say? God help you. You know? Can't run away from the questions. Yep. Dive it. Oh, that should be more of a normalcy. Not that it's on air or, or whatever kind of thing. It's just like, man, a love for God and His Word and for His people that, man, I want, okay, God, help me out on this. Yeah. You know, because I'm sure this conversation is probably going to come up somewhere. And I want to be ready for it. I'm not, I may not have all the answers, but I don't want to be um, so taken off guard. You know, I want to be able to, I want to be able to hear their objections and concerns and whatever else. And just walk through some of those and receive them in a way that I don't know, like Jesus would. Yeah. You say it. I'm pretty sure you say it all the time. Like, God can handle your questions. Sure. Yep. That's me. Good call. Yeah. <laughs> this has been another episode of Into the Fray. We want to thank you guys for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast on your podcast feed. We will see you next week for another conversation.